the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, retirement, and more. A lot of people are not going to save enough money for retirement. That's bothersome. That's real bothersome because... We grew up with this image of what retirement should look like, and we basically tie it towards our grandparents to start with, and then as we get older, we tie it towards what our parents are doing in retirement. Um, unfortunately, my dad worked till he died, and then my mom had bad health, so that's her retirement. Like, that's not what I'm planning. Uh, kind of bothers me a little bit. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. So Chad, basically my dad died early, and my mom's got bad health for 20 years already of retirement. Does my retirement look like it's going to suck or what? <laughs> Does it really look well? I think you'll probably be okay, Rob. But uh, you do have to stay healthy. Yeah, um, that's it's absolutely part of responsible, you know, healthy choices for retirement is is concentrating on your health and also making sure you're constantly saving. Here's a poor choice. I saw, I saw this just horrible, beat up car driving down the road. Um, one of those cancer ribbons on it, okay. big giant pink cancer ribbon, like fight cancer. Okay. I'm dying to see where this goes. The lady's smoking in her car with the two <laughs> kids in the back seat, and I'm like, I, so I'm looking at, you know, yeah. I don't judge people by their their beat up cars because you know I've got a decent looking car, couple dents, hundred and sixty thousand miles on it, right? I, I I really don't care about that, but it kind of leads to the next look. Okay, so you're smoking, that you don't care about your health to now your kids are in the car, so you don't even care about their health. Right. And I guarantee they have nothing safe for retirement, yet they're spending a ton of money on cigarettes. Like, their cigarette habit is their retirement plan, because they're going to retire and die. That's fair. Instead of having saved that money, and they could have retired at some point. So, uh, yeah, this is... You and I share a very humble vision of the future, uh, where we see people just do bad things financially. Well, there's a, a... I, I've got to find this person that was interviewed because I, I saw a, a great one on, on Bloomberg about that. Part of it, what is the reason for the wealth gap that we're seeing? Okay. What is the reason for that? And you had a, a guest on earlier that was talking about, you know, minimum wage in different areas and things like that. Um, and, and part of it is because 
people, you know, hopefully you're teaching your kids about wise decisions, about saving money, making money, how to take money and use it to make more money. Right. And then people are tending to get married later, meaning they're making better choices on their marriages and they're marrying like kind individuals. Yeah. So it's kind of like the more it's, you know, different sides of money getting together, highly educated. They're making more money. Also, if people are making more money in their 20s, more people would probably be getting married. Some women are putting off because they're looking for that husband who could provide. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, some there's a lot start, of there's a lot of factors moving here. There is a lot of factors, and then there's also a lot of lack of opportunity in certain areas where where kids are growing up in in poor areas, and they don't see the opportunity outside of you know their current vision, their current realm of opportunities. Um, so I've got, I've it, got it's, a friend it's tough to solve. It really is. I've got a friend here who makes almost seventy thousand dollars a year. I'm like, you need to move because seventy thousand dollars a year in the Bay Area is basically poverty. It's not. $70,000 is a lot of money in Seattle. It's nothing. Oh, it's not area. a lot of money. Seattle's expensive. Well, I'm trying to go, say. Go down to Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> but, but that's a humbling message we're sending about Social Security and retirement. and uh, You know, that's a good paying job. And it is good we're starting to see some wage inflation at the lower level, too. And it, I think, you know, one of the things that would help the economy drastically and help jobs numbers and everything else is, is tax incentives to businesses to go into different areas to create jobs. The... Um, you know, our current tax code is horrible. I mean, we're totally getting past the point of where we where we started with, which was kind of this, am I ready to retire list, right? I mean, the, this guy writes and he says, hi, Chad, here's my plan on paper. I'm 48. I need 55 grand a year in retirement based on this list for my monthly cost. So he goes through and he provides me this list. And I love these. If you guys want to shoot me an email, you know, am I ready to retire? Chad at chadburton.com. I love these emails in terms of helping people Look at their current situation. Are they doing the right thing? Is there enough? Now, and he lists out his medical insurance costs. He's, he's putting in there a factor for long-term care insurance. So he's obviously been listening. Car insurance, dental, vision, property taxes, personal tax, some entertainment, utilities, things like that. So he's given me this total. And he tells me that he's going to have a pension that covers some of the costs, some Social Security at age 70 that covers some, covers some of the costs. The problem is in the first line of the sentence, Rob. Here's my plan on paper. I'm 48 and I need 50,000, 55,000 a year in retirement based on this list for my monthly cost. He's 48 years old. He's right. not going to retire for another, you know, 15 to 18 years. Right. So he doesn't need $55,000 a year. He needs $110,000 a year. That's what he has to base his budget on because the value of the dollars cut in half every 18 years, even with the current rates of inflation. So he's compl- he's totally off track. I don't even have to read the rest of the sentences in terms of his monthly costs because he actually needs to double each of one of those costs because of inflation. And everybody from a normal person to an engineer sometimes makes this, you know, a constant, consistently makes this mistake in terms of inflation. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. But Chad, if you're saying he's 18 years from retirement and he needs to double his costs that he puts on paper – in theory, if he stays in the market, he'll go up twofold at least. He'll double his money once, double his money again. Mm-hmm. If he stays historically in the market, so he may be on track. Well, <clears throat> the, but again, he's also in a pension, which isn't probably as incentivized by the stock market. Right. Well, he goes through and, and also as he creates a withdrawal plan, um, he's kind of doing what you're talking about because he's using draw rates on current values. And yes, those current values will likely more than double in that period of time. But some of the draw rates that he's coming up with are five and a half to 7% on these different accounts. 
and he's talking about retiring at age 58. If you're retiring in this day and age at age 58, because of inflation going forward, you can't draw more than about 3% out of your portfolio because you have to leave money in there growing. So that's not even what you're going to earn on average. But you have to continue to let your portfolio grow more than what you're taking out for the first 10 to 15 years of retirement to support you later in life when you're drawing way more. And um, when you're drawing that much out, he doesn't really have a plan for a bear market, uh, which is very important. You know, you and I talk about when you're young, being a part of the market, yeah. just being in it, constantly saving will make you wealthy. But when you're older, timing the market is everything. And what I mean by that is timing your withdrawals. You have to have at least 15% or three years worth of expenses in cash to get you through bear markets. Because, you know, um, one, of the, one of the events that we've got coming up, building a portfolio, retirement portfolio that lasts, I'm going to talk about bear market scenarios. For example, in the 50s, 80s, and 90s, the average rate of return in those decades was over 15% per year. But in the 40s, it was 8%. In the 60s, it was 7%. In the 70s, the average return in the market was 5.8%. And then the 2000s, the lost decade, the average return on the stock market was 1% a year. So it, it ebbs and flows. There's rolling decades. There's these periods of really high returns or very disappointing returns. And it's better to have the disappointing returns in the first year of your of the, your retirement, as long as you have a plan to you know, get past that, because you need the better returns later in life when you're drawing double the amount because of inflation. It's kind of a mathematical game, and you've, you've really got to be aware of that in retirement. When you're younger, it's just save 10% plus in your 20s. CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Stocks rose as jobs data spurred some optimism. A rebound in hiring last month bolsters optimism that the economic growth is accelerating, which, double-edged sword, Federal Reserve could raise interest rates, and that'll just change things. It's, it's, It's still a good thing, but it'll change the environment that we're operating in. I can't give you a good analogy. It's like moving from walking underwater to walking on land. It's maybe. I think the reality is is the cost of borrowing goes up. Um, but you want the cost of borrowing to go up. In theory, low-cost money is bad because people get it and they can speculate with it. The more expensive it becomes, the more prudent they are with their decisions. But we're not getting a lot of speculation right now, as we should have. Consumer shares rallied today. If consumers have jobs with lower unemployment, we spend that money. 
Home Depot up. Whirlpool up. Lennar, big home builder, up. Microsoft higher. Uh, AOL up big. Their profit exceeded expectations. So there's some positive stories out there, for sure, tied towards an improving economy. Tesla's battery grabbed $800 million in its first week. Wow. Early reservations for Elon Musk's new batteries pulled in $800 million in the first week. Tesla took orders for a lot of potential revenue. It's like crazy off the hook, he said. There's also no way for Tesla to keep up with the level of demand reflected by the early reservations. Companies sold out of storage batteries until mid-2016. Musk claimed the production of storage batteries alone could easily take up the entire capacity of Tesla's $5 billion factory in Nevada, which is scheduled to open next year. There's going to be a pretty big energy revolution, and it's going to save money. It's going to uh, be a disruptor. You know, the idea of Tesla's energy battery from the home, it's a pretty simple idea. And in California, we need it. You would have a portable generator, not a portable, I'm sorry, you'd have a generator in your home. Earthquake comes and everyone loses electricity. You don't because you still have your your backup. You tie it up to solar panels, which Elon Musk is on the board for Solar City, And suddenly Solar City wins by getting it installed in your home and then... Tesla wins by getting the energy grid. And at some point in time, you're going to take that solar energy and power your car with it. Tesla car wins. So um, Elon Musk seems to be at the right spot for a disruptive service for the next 40 years. Um, I'm predicting that many Americans will have solar batteries, uh, backup batteries, Tesla energy, or something like that, a storage unit. There's no reason to think that, that it won't happen. Um, the cost will come down roughly by half in the next 10 years. When technology gets smaller, cheaper, faster, one of the things it does is you can deploy it on a bigger level, smaller, cheaper, faster. Um, the idea of having backup energy, it's not the end-all, be-all. Not everyone's going to want that. But the idea of saving $2 a day when we're continuing to see utility prices go higher when we're seeing situations like California saying, you know what, this whole water thing, you're going to pay more or we're going to cut the service. You're going to pay more, cut the service, or we don't know. But I think we can all assume we're probably going to be paying more, right? Even if we consume less. And you're like, we're just one storm away from you shutting your mouth. That's fair. It would probably be one storm to last for 40 days and 40 nights, and people will be building arcs. Um... But power and energy and, and have, you know saving $2 a day on a system that costs $9,000 takes about four years to recoup your money. But then it's yours at that point in time. Now, again, so you're like, okay, I'm going to live in a house for 15 to 30 years. Eh, I don't know if I want a big storage thing in the backyard. It's not that big. It's not that ugly. It would actually be kind of a cool status symbol for a while. Um, but more and more, it's going to happen. And... Uh, what will we do with the money we save? What would you do with an extra $2 a day? $4 a day? $8 a day? Starts to add up. Analysts are still trying to figure out how to value the new business. Baird and company, Morgan Stanley both, they're not including the battery storage products in their valuations of Tesla. Getting an accurate estimate of demand. It's going to take well over a year. Um... 
the Powerwall home batteries designed to be paired with rooftop solar systems received 38,000 reservations on a day. Some customers ordered more than one battery with an average reservation amounting to somewhere between one and a half to two batteries. Musk described the total demand as more like 50,000 to 60,000 batteries in early reservations. He's kind of a goofy dude. Here he has this car company that's not going to be profitable until 2020. And that freaks people out. You know, people like myself, CFP Chad Burton, we look at companies and we try to say, okay, how many years is it going to take this company to grow their earnings? How many years is it going to take this company to pay back the shareholders? They just borrowed X amount of dollars. Tesla's going to need to issue a bond and or issue stock which would be dilutive to current shareholders. But they need money because they're spending the money. And sometimes it's great, you know, if you take a look at the R&D budget for Apple, every year they're spending more. And you're like, why are they spending more? They haven't come up with a new... The iPod's not changed that much. The iPhone's more um, evolving than, you know, a revolt. It's not revolutionary. So Apple must have something else big that they're working on, whether it's a car or a television. They're not you know, spending $12 billion plus a year in, in R&D because they want to have fun. They want to come out with something that's kick butt. And your R&D line of expense, after the product has come out that you've been putting R&D in, you move that to like manufacturing costs. So the R&D, the R&D is all about future product. It's not about current product. So Apple's got something big coming, and uh, it's worthy of note. 800-516-1220. Apple spends enough money on R&D that they could, like, a couple years ago, they could have bought Netflix for what they spend on R&D. Whoa. Still a very powerful company. I own shares of Apple. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Same old, same old with the employment report today. Pretty good. Uh, and that helps. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. As long as we have jobs, I could say with some modicum of certainty, not 100%, as long as we have jobs, we're going to spend the, those paychecks. And if, as long as we do that, the economy is going to have some people working. As long as we have that, Capitalism, the stock market will figure out a happy ending. Take a break here. Be right back. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now from the IB Times, International Business Times. You can find it online at ibtimes.com is Cole Stangler. Cole, how are you? Good, good. Thanks so much for having me. Tell me a little bit about your background as a staff writer at IB Times. 
Uh, so I cover labor in the workplace, covering issues related to, to labor unions and, um, and workers uh, who are also not represented by labor unions, like, like most of the country, um, issues affecting them. As you may know, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Labor is a very um, sticky area to play around with as far as media mm-hmm. coverage goes. Um, some people want sure. minimum wage at 20 bucks. Some people want it at $2. So uh, just keep that in mind that uh, there's a lot of opposing opinions out here, probably different than a large part of the nation. You've recently... Well, I think, I think there's, a lot of, there's probably um, a lot of that, I think, elsewhere as well. So I don't think you're alone in that respect. Yeah, before we even get into your new article on youth minimum wage, um, I want to go back to as a kid. I I I worked at McDonald's. People that I know did do minimum wage jobs, and it wasn't a really a livable wage kind of argument world that we were in. Mm-hmm. Was I kind of in just my golden years of youth? Was it? Was I? Am I wrong in remembering that scooping ice cream was okay to make horrible pay and not look for? A livable wage. When did the livable wage issue become more serious well, I, for adults than it did for teenagers? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know how long ago you were working um, at McDonald's. I know at least when I when I worked there when I was in high school, um, just a, actually not not too long ago, probably about seven years ago. Okay. Um, there, it wasn't just high school kids like myself looking to make extra money during the summer. There were, you know, there was an older woman I remember who was in her fifties, not sixties. You had people in their 30s, um, and so I think that that kind of broad um, shift is a result of, of kind of more structural changes in the American labor market, where we saw manufacturing jobs um, gradually go overseas, um, struggle to compete, disappear, and we've had just kind of a, a, a gradual shift towards more and more service sector jobs, and that was exacerbated um, by the, the recession and the really sluggish recovery. So I think we're seeing it more and more, um, but it's, it's a transition that, that's, that's taken place over the last couple of decades. Um, and, you know, you do still have, it's a, you do still have younger people that, that, that find these jobs. There was a, I don't know if you saw the James Franco, the actor actually had a piece about this in Washington Post talking about how his, um, you know, he had his first job at McDonald's and it was sort of this nostalgic romanticized view. But anyhow, you do have people like that that are still, young people getting getting those jobs at McDonald's, but you also have people that, that are trying to support families um, making these wages. And so it, it's, 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 it certainly isn't just um, high school kids or, or younger people looking to make some extra spending money. And I promise we're going to get to your new article in a second, but I get frustrated because I'm not conservative, I'm not liberal, I just, I'm not really political in any way, shape, uh-huh. or form, but... I do look at the McDonald's franchisee, and I think it's unrealistic to say that they should be paying a livable wage to someone who's 50 because they're selling stuff that costs a dollar. Um, the mathematics mm-hmm. just don't really go there. And a lot of people, you know, McDonald's makes billions, but McDonald's franchisees don't make billions. Right. I mean, this is this is a, a this is certainly an argument that that people on that side will make. Um, I think that people who who want McDonald's to raise the wage will say that actually McDonald's does. Um, have some amount of authority more than they more than they 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 let off um, over their franchisees, um, and you, you're I think there's there's a number of ways you you can see that in in the way they set business practices across the board, um, in the way that they kind of issue guidelines and and, and 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 exert exert broad control over these over these existing franchisees. So you know it's it's certainly a debate. And the other issue I think people um, people ought to raise. And people and some people have been raising is the fact that you know 
McDonald's does actually make a, does turn a quite a bit of profit on billions of dollars, and they're they're you know actually spending billions of dollars on stock buyback programs right now, benefiting shareholders, which is essentially them them buying back McDonald's stock, raising the price, shareholders win, um, and that they're spending billions of dollars on that, but that's not going to franchisees to to boost wages. That's something that, in theory, um, you know you could have a, a a deeper debate about that, but that's something that that doesn't seem that um, extraordinary of an ask, I think, if you're if you're somebody who wants to see the wage increase at McDonald's. Your new article, Youth Minimum Wage, Nebraska Considers Lowering sure. Minimum Pay Rate for Young Workers, I think it plays into that, though, too. Like, um, minimum mm-hmm. wage in Nebraska should be different than California because cost of living is different, and also mm-hmm. the amount of jobs that are different and the income of the average person is different. Um, it's kind of it, – anyway, let's talk about lowering of minimum yeah. wage. How does that get across to the populace? I mean, I think I think it actually plays into to what you were talking about just just earlier about um, the motivation for this comes from a legislator uh, in rural Nebraska, which is actually mo- most of the state, but from a very rural part of a rural state. And she says that uh, local businesses, independent grocers, hardware stores say that they really are going to struggle to comply with the new minimum wage mandate that voters passed last November. Eight dollars now. It's going to be nine dollars next year 2016 and they say that when they have to pay that nine dollars wage uh they're gonna have to to lay off and and cut hours for um a lot of their staff for some of their staff not close business but they're gonna have to cut hours um, or lay people off and a lot of those stores according to her according to the the managers um they rely on on young kind of part-time people who might be in high school who don't see this as a permanent gig, but it's something they do on the side to make some extra money to get some experience. And so the idea is, okay, let's have a separate tier for for this category. And and, and the bill, Laura Ebke, the legislator, the senator, is proposing, kind of creates a new category for people who are under 18, don't have high school diplomas, and do not have child dependents. They'd be exempt from that broader $9 wage I was talking about. And this is they'd have an $8 wage, right. essentially. So that's that's kind of the motivation. And again, the idea is, you know, the the new minimum wage is, is going to be negatively impacting people who who just want to get some experience, and also going to be impacting these businesses. So that that that's sort of the motivation for it. And then the twist out of this will be that there will be some discrimination. I'd rather have a younger employer employee than an older employee because of costs. Kind of like there is right now in our workplace tied towards healthcare. An older employee hits your healthcare a lot harder than a younger employee does. Right. That's. I mean, that's that's definitely one aspect of it. Um, is that if you're an employer and let's say you're 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 an employer, obviously it's going to be better for you to hire the the cheaper worker. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Um, and the other aspect of it is, you know, there while this the motivation comes from this rural part of the state, you know, Nebraska, like a lot of like most of the country, like the country has seen increasing income inequality, and that's concentrated in urban areas. So you have Lincoln and Omaha, which are more urban, more working class, and you have people that, who are actually 18 years old, 17 years old in high school, who are working jobs not just because they you know, want money to, to go extra spending money um, for fun, uh, but it's because they actually are, are, are helping to support. They're not the primary earners, but they're helping support their families um, and, and, that's, and that's what people say there, um, and, and opponents of this bill. And so they're being hurt from this as well. Um, and again, you know, 
there's 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 also the question of um, the, the critique that, that essentially this proposal is violating voters' will. I mean, this is something that Nebraska voters passed last November by referendum. This wasn't the legislature that decided to increase the minimum wage. This was this was a, a statewide referendum in a pretty conservative state that passed by a really large margin, actually. Um, when you consider that, about 60% to 40% voted in favor of increasing the minimum wage. So critics will say, well, now you have legislators going in and essentially toying with with public will. I mean, the, the voters didn't just say they wanted a, a special wage for, for young workers. They said they wanted a wage for, for everybody to be higher. Starting to wrap up, where do you think this wage battle goes in the United States from the reporting you've been doing? I mean, it's uh, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I think that like we just saw with, with Governor Cuomo setting up a special wage board to increase the minimum wage in New York uh, for fast food workers, I think that shows uh, how much this, this organizing campaign to organize fast food workers and to protest is actually having real results. And that's something that people didn't really know what would happen a few years ago when this started, three years ago, um, these fast food worker walkouts, low-wage worker walkouts. Um, and I think that that's putting a lot of pressure on, on political figures to, to do something about this. And so I think... Um, I think they're actually being they're, they're they're having some success, and so we'll see we'll see where that goes. But at the same time, also you have Republicans opposed to this, um, and you have conservatives that are that are tinkering um, with these laws, like we're seeing in Nebraska. South Dakota also had a, had a similar wage rollback as well for young workers. South Dakota's passed. Nebraska's still up for debate. Um, so we're seeing we're seeing some success on that front. We're also seeing some pushback from legislators who are trying to figure out. How are they going to oppose? How are they going to oppose these proposals? How are they going to at least uh, dull the impact of them? I'm looking back at some of your past columns, and one of them was titled "Anarchist and Communists," and <laughs> that's almost what I feel like our our financial media coverage is these days of you know the labor issues tied towards livable wages for fast food. It's 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 very um polarizing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's certainly a polarizing issue. But like I said, I think you know you, when you have Governor Cuomo coming out and and saying that he wants to um, set up a special wage board. This is something he said he, he couldn't he couldn't raise a wage before um, because he needed the support from the legislature. Now he's going ahead unilaterally and doing this. And I think gotcha. that that speaks to to them gaining some traction. I think sounds good. I hope you'll update us in the near future with new columns. It's Cole Stangler with IB Times. You can find him online at ibtimes.com. Very smart, very insightful. Last name Stangler, S-T-A-N-G-L-E-R. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 
Thursday produced a rebound for the major indices, which seemed to track the directional trade of the bond market. That is, a recovery in bonds helped drive the recovery in stocks, put simply. Two markets are likely to be intertwined after the April employment report. Um, it was a pretty good report. So non-farm payrolls increased by 223,000. Private sector payrolls increased by 213,000. Unemployment rate went from 5.5% in March down to 5.4%. A lot of economists that I follow think this is about it. Maybe another tick lower, but not much. The U6 unemployment rate, which counts for total unemployed plus persons marginally attached to labor force. And the underemployed was 10.8%. Persons unemployed for 27 weeks or more accounted for 29% of the unemployed versus 29.8% in March. That's a long time to be unemployed. 27 weeks. You do the math on that, and what's that, seven months roughly? Oof. The unemployment check's not good. It's okay. It's not good. I couldn't imagine having a family with it. Average hourly earnings increased one-tenth of a percent. After the downwardly revised two-tenths of a percent increase in March, aggregate earnings were up three-tenths of a percent. The average work week for 34 and a half hours. Um, over the last 12 months, average hourly earnings have risen 2.2%. Manufacturing was uh, 40.8 hours a week. Factory overtime was 3.2 hours. Uh, so this is a positive response to the April employment report. Is It's a lot of sameness in the market. The drop in the unemployment rate wasn't a function of a drop in the labor force participation rate. Blah, 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 starting to split hairs, I think. But now's a good time, if you don't like your job, to go out and look. Because companies want to hire qualified people. And we feel like we're getting pretty close to full employment. Uh, markets are up, you know, big. It's just a, a flat-out up day. Nike backs Obama on trade with a pledge to create 10,000 U.S. jobs. That sounds a little unlike Nike. I love Nike running shoes, just like the other guy, but I kind of have come to take for granted that my, my shoes are probably being manufactured by some Chinese, Indonesian, Taiwanese child with really small hands, breaking some sort of labor laws or close to it. Sports shoemaker Nike put its weight behind President Barack Obama's push for a trade deal with Asian countries, with a promise to create up to 10,000 U.S.-based manufacturing jobs if the pack is approved. Obama's pressing the U.S. Congress to pass trade promotion authority, which would enable him to negotiate international trade deals without the threat of changes by lawmakers. Nike's got 26,000 U.S. employees, more than 1 million workers, and 700 contract factories worldwide. That's a big company. How many employees did I just say? Test your memory. 26,000 U.S. 1 million workers. Are you with me or are you against me? That's a shockingly big number. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Tesla's battery. Remember Elon Musk talked a little bit about this power thing that's going to go in your backyard? It'll store energy for you. 
You can charge it at night when energy prices are cheaper. Use it during the day when energy prices are more expensive. Save two to four bucks a day. Pay for it in four years. Then it's yours. All that free money. Woohoo! Two to four dollars a day. Doesn't feel very life changing, does it? But very friendly to the grid. Nice to have in case of an emergency. The Powerwall home batteries. Some sort of power alternative power source in your home is going to be big. It may not be Tesla's, but it's going to be big over the next 20 to 40 years. You're going to see just massive changes in how we distribute energy. Strength today in consumer discretionary stocks, healthcare, industrials, technologies, utilities, weakness, and energy. In a very bold move this morning, the S&P 500 has erased its week-to-date losses. It felt pretty negative out there this week, in my opinion. I'm not sure in yours, but there was never a moment this week where I was like, ooh, market's finally in the clear. And again, I try not to look at the stuff day by day. I kind of have to because I do a radio show and a podcast. I'm kind of a big deal. I have my own podcast. People know me. Oil slightly higher today at $59. 10-year treasury sits at 2.12%. Not going to jump up and down about these numbers. Those aren't changers. Gold is at 11.86. Still playing with that 1,200 area. Shake Shack got hit pretty hard yesterday after reporting poor numbers. Got hit a little bit today, but more so yesterday. No obvious news moving the stock. Traders are discussing the unwinding of the popular hedge fund trade as as being the catalyst on the move. Um, Yelp looks like they're putting themselves up for sale. Doesn't mean a sale goes through, but it means that the, the, the sweet speculations out of the stock. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.